How can Christians do a better job of building relationships with Jews and Muslims? Welcome to the Beyond the Lines podcast. In a world where there are a few loud voices spreading division, we want you to know that there are more of us who want unity and love. We love Beyond the Lines of Differences so that our lives can be full of diversity. Come and listen with us and join a movement of people who are willing to love all people at all times. Today on the podcast, we have Josh Prather, who is the pastor of Pioneering at Redemption Church in Phoenix. You heard right, he is the pastor of Pioneering, and we're going to learn what that means today. We're also going to talk about how Christians can learn a lot from visiting a mosque or a synagogue. We talk about how those of us in the West need to start seeking out and listening to our sisters and brothers from the global church. Also, what does this all have to do with learning to choose suffering in our everyday lives? You'll find all of this and more in today's podcast with Josh Prather. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is DJ. Um, I'm excited to talk to a really special guest today, and this is uh, Jonathan. Uh, Hi. We are, we are co-listeners today um, as yeah. we are uh, looking to talk to uh, Josh Prather, uh, pastor, uh, you know, family man, husband, um, just a leader in our community. I'm excited to talk about the things um, that you're doing today, Josh. And um, yep. But first, I want to talk about your title. Um, you are with Redemption Church um, right. of Arizona, um, the Alhambra campus. Is that where you are? I'm at Redemption Alhambra. I work centrally with Redemption Church with all okay. of our congregations. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you are the pastor of pioneer, pioneering. Yeah, I have never heard of that before. So could you yeah. explain <laughs> for our listeners what what do you do? What is, yeah. what are you pioneering? Pastor of pioneering. So I kind of had two hats at Redemption Church for a number of years, and then God kind of moved me more towards one. And one was kind of a traditional missions pastor that I think you all have have here. Um, and then the other side was trying to start up new ministries at the margins with communities that we normally just don't spend time with or just wow. might be overlooked. So yeah. what does it look like to love those communities, start up ministries at those communities, and then hopefully see if we can get our people connected to serve and love and be in those communities. Um, and after about nine years of kind of doing both traditional missions, pastor type role with our congregations and then doing that. God really started to give life towards the other ones. So that's what I found myself loving doing. So now my primary role, I kind of, if I'm explaining to someone that has a pastor pioneer, it's kind of like a missionary in residence mm. at the church. So okay. my title is pastor, but that's really only because like an evangelical church is to give someone the title of like apostolic <laughs> leader. Like that makes us nervous. Yeah. You know, we're kind of like, uh, what does that mean? You're, you're a prophet, you're an apostle. You know, we don't do that a whole lot. So everybody yeah. just yeah. gets pastor. Yeah. Yeah. But really if you're okay, it's probably more like apostolic type work. Like what are the communities that we need to love that are being persecuted, that are being overlooked, whether they're a Christian community. I work a lot with international leaders in our city, whether it's mm. uh, the Muslim community. We'll talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've worked with refugees in the past for a while. It was the LGBTQ community trying to pioneer some work there mm -hmm. you know so it's changed over the years um just because that's what i love and that's kind of like giftedness is trying to pioneer start it and then see what god does and then hopefully god raises somebody up or raises a community up that kind of takes it forward so that's pastor pioneering can yeah. you uh I, I love the the definitions that you're kind of talking about like how you know apostolic right yeah can you explain a little bit more what that means like yeah yeah, well, I mean, the original like the uh, the original apostles were like those that were with Jesus. But if you think about apostolic type work, you're thinking about the early church and like pioneering new ministries where they don't exist. Like the apostle okay. Paul yeah. would say, you know, my, I labor. What's the exact? I'm trying to think of the. Uh, you know, you hate to misquote scripture, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but pretty much like I want to start new foundations and foundationless places. Like I'm trying yeah. to start ministries in places where they don't exist yet. Mm -hmm. So like 
it's the it's kind of like the missionary type endeavors, you know, as what you'd say, like apost. At least that's how I would. Yeah, you know, that's how definitions I would are important. So that's why I yeah. wanted to ask about. So it. that's yeah. how I would find it. Kind of more of the if you're putting it in like a secular, maybe more of like the entrepreneurial <laughs> type language. You know, starting something up that needs to exist in a certain place but doesn't exist in a certain place. You know, and normally it comes by way of church planting, but mine right. normally takes <laughs> different forms in the community. Sometimes it's more like evangelistic, but other times it's more reconciliation. Um, yeah. Does that mean Starbucks says apostles? Like, I <laughs> am, I, am yeah. I taking this too far? No, no, no there's something there. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, try not to, <laughs> just just derailing the conversation. Uh, no, right. Keep it alive. Yeah. I like it for Starbucks. It may be okay. Maybe, maybe they can sponsor us one day. Who knows? Yeah, um, sponsor my work. Let's go. Yeah. So where uh, Josh um, and I met, um, we met at a mosque, which was very interesting. For two pastors of an evangelical church to meet, yeah, and um, what what we were doing, that we were just having a, kind of a community time with uh, just people, people who attended the mosque. Um, could you talk about um, that experience um, for you um, about meeting with those people, have eat, eating together um, in a mosque, which I have never been to. Yeah, um, though I have um, kind of like Muslim in my family, um, in my outer family, but I've never been to a mosque. But, mm. So explain that experience. Uh, what was that like for you? For me, just being candid, it was uh, it was normal only because this has been my work for like. 10 10 ish years hmm. um and i've developed a really close relationship with the imam who's like a a, a dear friend um cool so for me it was just what you said explain your experience but i still every time it happens um i always i always enjoy it and i always enjoy the experience to actually sit with like neighbors that most of the time the community would say like uh maybe unspoken or spoken that there's something taboo. We were talking about it before this podcast began about being in those environments, actually going and like watching like a religious service take place, like being in the mosque, not just like being in the mosque. Like we didn't just go to it. Yeah. Like we actually watched them perform prayer. Yeah. Like, so as they performed their prayers, we were like actually observing what was happening. And that experience to me is always, uh, yeah, it's it's. It, I'll say interesting to be as vague as possible. There's a lot of conflicting emotions I have as I watch it. Some parts of it, as we talked before about the image of God, is in everybody. So parts of it are very beautiful, and I say, man, we got a lot to learn. Like in the Christian tradition about how they're actually performing their prayers. Yeah. And every single time I watch it, it's also very tragic because I want every single one of those people to actually follow Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah, know yeah. Jesus, and have resurrected life. So there's always like this conflict in me every time I observe it. Um, but it's always a special time, especially with that community. I've developed a relationship with that mosque in particular, not yeah. just the imam, but like some of their key leaders. Mm -hmm. So it's great to see old faces and old friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was a really eye opening experience, like for me, um, because you do feel that like tension. It's like, oh, am I supposed to be here? Like, yeah. like does God want, want me to be here? And one of the things that was really eye opening when we were watching the prayer, um, there was a lot of families, like a lot of little kids r running around and stuff like that. And it was like, it was just uh, really eye opening to me. It's like, wow, they're, they're not so different than me. Yeah. They have families and you see parents like telling the kids like to sh be quiet and kids wrestling on the ground with, with one another. And uh, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, greeting each other and hugging one another in this uh, really cool community 
community space, um, which is on, on a Friday night, which is I can't imagine trying to get people to come to church on a, on a, on a Friday night, you know, yeah, in, yeah. in our context. But um, just watching them just just have community time together. I was like, man, there's something really sweet about it and something, um, um, you know, from that community is like, man, they, they really take this idea of prayer and um, making sure they're they're, they're doing their traditions um, um, really in, in a really real, real way. But like, yeah. man, they're, they're super committed and it's like, wow, like that, I, I can learn from that. Just being like, man, they are committed to, to what they believe. And I think sometimes um, I can be wishy-washy, you know, just, yeah, just in, no in, in the, in the practice of, of what, of, of what we're trying to do though. We're not supposed to be that practice, but I think there's yeah, something yeah. really cool uh, uh about that so yeah. yeah i agree with that mm-hmm. i agree with that i think it's always That's special good. when i'm the community aspect every time i'm uh with other religions or if i'm traveling internationally there's always like a sense of community that i long to see within the within the american church yeah mm-hmm. you know like a sense of connection even the way they pray is i think that's pro- one of the primary things i observed last time i always pick up new things whenever i'm watching uh muslims pray but one of the things is that they can't pray apart from one another, meaning like they form rows. If you've ever seen people pray, like uh, if you've ever seen Muslims pray, they have these rows lining up. Everybody's facing towards Mecca. So even like where the pulpit is, is facing towards Mecca. Mm-hmm. Everybody's lining up in rows in front of one another. But there's no outliers. Like you have to be touching shoulders mm-hmm. with somebody as you pray. Like you don't have the option to like sit in the back row. And like kind of be by yourself, like you have to be up. Like if there's like six rows and there's, they formed a new row and there's one space left in between 10 people on both sides, (laughs) you know, you have to squeeze yourself into that space. Mm -hmm. So just that like touch, like you're seeing, like, as you pray, you are literally not, I mean, you're, it's it's that squeezed in if for people that are listening, they've never seen it. Like you're touching shoulders with the person next to you as you like perform the ritualistic prayer. But Last time we were there, that's what I was thinking about. I'm like, there's such a sense of like connection, yeah. community as they're performing their rituals that that's something I've, you know, I think of quite a bit, but I'd love to see more of in the, in the church. Yeah. It's just that sense of like, we're in this together. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. just really good. That is good. I, I think it's really important that, um, and that's a big part of this podcast for us is that we take time to listen and understand other people's worldviews. And even if we don't fully agree with it, like you said, there's this tension that you go through every time you, you visit is like, I mean, I love there's beauty in this because uh, God says that all people are made in his image. Mm-hmm. And because of that, yeah. there is um, something that we can learn about God through every person. Mm. Um, kind of a general re- revelation thing. If we get into like theological terms, but like, yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. I, I experienced that a little bit when I, I spent like four months in India and I saw some Hindu practices and there's some real beauty in the practice. And, and, you know, to be a Hindu is a lot about to be in a community. Like when Christianity came there, they told people they had to leave uh, their communities. They had to leave everything they knew because to be a Hindu was to be from India pretty much, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, um, and you know, I, I could be getting something details wrong, but the point being, there's there's some real beauty in the community that we can definitely learn from, from a lot of different people uh, being from the American church, uh, even maybe even just the white American church. Like yeah. we, we, we love our individual faith. We love our individual religion, like an individual relationship. And there's some good truth in that. 
but sometimes it's overemphasized and we stop, mm-hmm. we don't get that community aspect behind it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So how, how do you, um, how do you, you're talking about the pastor of Pioneer and giving your, you know, church opportunities to be in this community. How do you feel like you have learned from other communities you've served? Like, man, th- there's something that I can encourage my community at Redemption um, to do. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, I go go a lot of different directions with that. I think uh, I'll just go to a conversation I had yesterday, and this takes takes me to the Christian church that's from around the world, like international pastors and leaders. There's a uh, ministry that I co-started with another pastor, Michelle Duarte from Brazil, who just planted a church called Somos in Chandler. And it's called the Daniel Initiative, which is trying to gather together international leaders in the city mm-hmm. to raise up the next generation of Daniels, like foreigners in a strange land, to not mm-hmm. only lead within their ethnic context, but to be the next generation of leaders for like a multicultural American church, mm. you know. So the reason that that vision kind of came about is I spent years sitting down with international leaders in our city that are from everywhere. And I'm just, these are real faces. I'm thinking about the countries, you know, Burma, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Honduras, Brazil, you know, and I could go on. Mm. But uh, leaders from around the world that God has brought here, whether they come as refugees, whether they come just to... Uh, with a visa, whatever it is that brings them here. But each one of them has this incredible deposit of faith that they've had in their countries where they come from that they bring here to America that I think we desperately need. There's like a dependency on the spirit. There is a vibrancy in spiritual life. Um, There is like, I mean, so there's a Taiwanese theologian that says what the evangelical church calls uh, charismatic or Pentecostal, the global church calls Christian. Mm. You know, so there's like a uh, an understanding of God's power in in prayer and in the Spirit that I think the American church just desperately needs dependency. Really I mean, just good. complete dependency yeah. on the Lord. Um, and I've never and I I literally had a conversation yesterday with an Eritrean pastor um, who I just met. You know, we sat down, we were having tea, and I said, "You could be the first one." I was like, "But I've never s- talked with a international leader that says he has now." They come to America, and they're normally coming from countries where there's war, conflict, poverty. And they come to America, and they're uh, more comfortable. They're wealthier. They're more, I mean, fed up than they've ever been (laughs) in their life, you know, Mm -hmm. eating well, doing well, wealthier than they've ever been. But not one of them has ever told me that their life spiritually has grown since coming to America. Mm. Every single one that I've ever talked to has said, uh, and one friend that's become a dear friend, he always puts his hand on his stomach, you know, and he lived meal to meal in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. meal to meal, like barely survived. But he always points to his stomach and says, the fire's gone out since I've been here, you mm-hmm. know. And he's got a great house, good salary, you know, comfortable, he says, but, but the fire's gone out. So uh, they share these stories of what's happened around the world, what they've seen God do around the world, how they've seen God move. And the conversation I had yesterday, just literally yesterday, was sitting out with this pastor talking about persecution. I had no idea. Eritrea is like one of the top countries of like persecution in the world. Like it's one of the hardest places to be a Christian. Mm. So he was talking to me about the persecuted church in Eritrea and just the like, but how with that, as we know, I mean, you guys know church history. I mean, you don't even, he didn't even have to say it. But as soon as he talked about persecution, I knew the church was growing, <laughs> you know, because right. like the blood of the martyrs is the seed for the church. Like we know that, like where persecution happens, God's pe- like the spirit is poured out 
you know, mm-hmm. and like these pastors have lived it. Like they've lived in like the underground church. They've seen persecution and then they come here to America and I'm like, what a deposit that God has given us in this nation for us to learn from, for us to grow yeah. from, for us to follow, you know, for yeah. us, for them to be like the next leaders in America to help guide us into the future as the church now, I feel like is in a difficult spot trying to f- figure out who it is, what its identity is, mm-hmm. you know, and these leaders that God has given us are, can help guide the way. They're right there. Yeah. 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 I love that picture because I think of the last few decades, uh, quite a few decades in our missions, uh, we send people over to teach leadership to different countries and different places. And there's some good stuff in that. But when have we accepted people from other churches all across the world to teach us in our churches how to be, you know, Mm. grow in our leadership? And I I think there's value in both, but we don't do our, like our part of listening here and learning from people from all over here. No, no doubt. And I feel like that's part of like the, the pioneering is I try to turn the volume up on things that people just don't hear. Like the, uh, the optimal place is just mutual learning mm-hmm. to where it's genuine friendship. Yeah. And genuine friendship is like, I'm going to carry your burdens. You're going to carry my burdens. I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. And we're going to walk this together side by side. You know, that's like picture of reconciliation. Like we're equals walking side by side, you know, but, uh, the volume is turned so low on the learning and receiving in the American church. And it's turned up so high on the giving and going, mm-hmm. you know, um, that I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to turn the volume up in places where it needs to be turned up with the hope that, that it'll balance out. Not that the, uh, global South or majority world church, Latin America, Africa, and Asia doesn't have anything to learn from us. Obviously they do, but I think we know that. <laughs> As yeah, the yeah, church. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we question those. Things. I don't yeah. think we question that at this point in time, but I think what we do question is whether or not we have something to receive. Yeah. And learn from those communities. Absolutely. And I mean, once again, I'm sitting, I was pastor yesterday and I came to tears because I'm listening to the story of this woman who had been in jail for 20 years for the Mm. sake of Christ. They put her in a shipping container. They tortured her. You know, it was like scorching hot in the day. It was freezing at night. There was a hole the size of a basketball on the side of the shipping container where she got a little air. They put someone mentally ill in the shipping container with her just to like torment her. You know, and and every day they would come to her and say, if you just stop preaching Christ, we'll let you go. And she would say, no, you know, like, what else do I have but Jesus? Like, you think you're offering freedom when you don't even know what freedom is. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I'll set you free. And she's looking at him like, you don't even know freedom. Yeah. You know, and God brings these people to our city, you know, and then I'm sitting down with them and I'm going to teach them. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like. Yeah. No, God, now God's done some things in my life. I got a lot to give. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. You know, however, I'm like, these d- deposits, I'll just keep using the word that God has given in our city are just such a gift. So yeah, that's one way to say, what can we learn? That's one yeah. way. So like, we aren't persecuted in America. Yeah. And so you could listen to that, like, well, well, is God not working here? Like, what, like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't just go get persecuted yeah. just because, you know? I mean, some people so, think we're persecuted. Oh. Uh, it's true. That's, yeah. that's another conversation. But we won't go. <laughs> we, go <laughs> we won't go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't go down. But like, um, h- how do you? How would you encourage people? Just be like, hey, th- this is no. Like, you aren't persecuted, but there's a realization that you have to kind of a perspective that you have to have um, in light of these stories um, that, that yeah. you hear. Yeah, um, I think one of the main things that comes to mind is I think the American church might be 
And this is really raw. So give me. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Give, give, give me some grace. I'm literally just reflecting on this this yeah, morning yeah. Yeah. as I think about persecution and being set free. I think that uh, the demonic is just so easily seen because of like uh, a sense of awareness that the majority world church has. So there's like automatically to defeat that, there's a power in the spirit that's a necessity to have so that, it's a, so that it can be defeated. You know, they understand demonic forces in the world in a way that most people in the West do not understand them. So because of that, there's always a sense of I need power beyond what that is to overcome. And we know that's the power of the Spirit. You know, the same right. Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is actually deposited in us. And we see it in the early church. It's incredible. And they understand that. You know, and persecution comes with it. As I said, when persecution comes, it's always followed. And we see this in the book of Acts. Like I'm listening to this story yesterday, and it is the book of Acts. Persecution, but with that, signs, wonders, God's pouring out his spirit, revival mm, is happening mm-hmm. at the same time of persecution. Mm. So when I think, hey, we're not persecuted, you know, so what do we have to learn from that? I think there's a learning of um, abiding in Christ and being empowered by the spirit to overcome demonic forces that you don't think exist in this world or don't exist in the West, but they do. Mm. And they're just covered up and they're just shadowed, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but the same liar that exists in Eritrea that's trying to seek, kill, and destroy is the same liar here that's telling kids in high school right now that they need to take their own lives because they have no value. Mm. Now, who's telling them that? Mm. Where are they getting that lie? And we say mental health, which, uh, this is where I'm just processing it. Yeah, <laughs> This yeah. is raw. Yes, 100% mental health. Yeah, 100%. I don't want to take away from that. 100%. But do I believe there are demonic forces at work today lying to people, you know, to take their own lives, to lead them astray from Christ? And do we understand the power that we have in Christ to overcome? And who can we go to to learn from that? And I'm like, I, I, I know brothers and sisters around the world that are here in our city that can help guide us in overcoming evil in this world that we feel like we're consumed by sometimes, you know, but I don't know if we have the tools to overcome it. That was raw. So g- give me yeah. grace. No, we'll, we'll no, yeah. I'm just yeah. grace. I mean, that, yeah. that is a, a lot to process. And even, <laughs> like, even as I think about, um, you know, those of us who are struggling with this idea of breaking down their faith, I won't use the, the, the hot topic word, yeah, the yeah, D yeah. word for that, but break, 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 <laughs> the breaking word. down their faith. Um, I don't know if that's going to trigger anything, but, yeah, but breaking yeah. down their faith and kind of throwing their faith away where there's a difference when all you have is that faith to have hope. Oh man. It's just, it's just that's a different, a, a different type of, um, which I do agree that we all should be examining our faith and, thinking about the what, where we've come from and breaking that down and looking at scripture and how does that measure up to Jesus. We all should be doing that in a healthy way. But there's another piece of it that's like, man, what about when we are just, when we are hopeless and all wow. we have our hope is in Jesus? Oh, that that's that right, just makes right, it right. a, a, a different type of perspective that I think a lot of times we have the luxury to kind of throw it away. We, we do have the luxury, the privilege, if you will, to say, you so, know, I... I'm safe either way. Yeah, I'm 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 okay. I yeah. I, I, I don't I don't I don't mm. need this for for my family or, or anything like that. And I think we're in a place. One other thing that came to mind as you're talking is uh, persecution. Like is 
suffering that is coming at you that you don't have a choice. Now, we have a choice. We know, and I feel like it's a, we're in a, a privilege, you said the word, privileged place in America to where we can actually look at our neighbor and say, I can choose to lay down my life for that person. And with that, I know will come suffering. You know, mm -hmm. you don't talk to anybody that uh, like has children or chooses to love people that are in hard places, adopts kids into their family, you know, uh, loves people that are on the margins, loves people that are suffering in poverty and won't go through hard times. Yeah. Won't go through hard times. But we're in the place where it's not thrust upon us. Mm. Like God is giving us the freedom to actually move to towards our neighbor and love, choose to love. You know, because persecution is thrust on them. Right, know? right. And we say, oh, well, we need more of that. And I'm like, no, we're in a better place. We're, we don't have that, but we're privileged enough in America to choose to, to walk into suffering. Mm. That's <laughs> interesting. You yeah. walk into suffering by love. We're going to mm. go love our neighbor. And we know it's a guarantee. It's promised. You know, that when we go and we lay down our lives for others, you will suffer. You know, yeah. and that's where I feel like there's uh, maybe that's a big disconnect in America is because we've chosen not to. Many people, when they look at persecution, say, I can't connect to that at all. And I'm like, well, are you really laying down your life for your neighbor? Are you loving your neighbor? Because if you're laying down your life and you're loving your neighbor, I feel like that's not that distant. You look at that and you say, okay, it's different. It's different. It's different. There's no doubt about it. Like being in a, the shipping container is different than the suffering that you go through in loving your neighbor. But there's still the pain, the anguish, the grief, the mental distress, the emotional yeah. challenges, all that you yeah. see and you say, yeah. I can connect with that, mm -hmm. you know, because, because of whatever person I'm choosing to love in my community, you know, lay down my life for, and I've fallen in love with that person. Now they're suffering and I'm suffering, you know, so. I really like that. I've never thought of, whenever I hear a, a sermon on suffering here in the yeah. West, you know, on like James, where he says, uh, consider it all joy when you suffer uh, many trials of many kinds. Something like that. That's definitely uh, whatever the word is. But <laughs> anyways. Uh, <laughs> We're just doing a great job yeah. of scripture yeah. this Par morning. Paraphrase. Yeah. There it is. Uh, <laughs> that's the word I was trying to think. Whenever that is preached, usually, even to myself when I've preached that, which is rare because I don't really preach. But uh, <laughs> usually it's said, like, but we, we don't go out and seek suffering. You know, like, suffering can be used, but then I've never heard your perspective of saying like, well, sometimes you do seek suffering, not necessarily like going out and like getting a really terrible sunburn just cause you want to suffer for Jesus. That's not what we're talking about here, but yeah. adopting a child who may have, you know, uh, uh, dr baby drug syndrome. I can't remember what the actual yeah, yeah, the yeah. term Feudal, is. Fetal syndrome. Yeah. That one. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is difficult. It is hard but it's being Jesus to that child. That's right. And that is a type of seeking out suffering, but not one just for suffering's sake, but for the sake of love and for loving somebody else. In that case, I've never thought of it that way. So thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. 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 Well, I, Paul Miller will talk about like three types of suffering. I'll talk about like the suffering that comes from sin, you know, so you do something stupid or you don't do something you should do and then you suffer the suffering that comes from persecution, you know, but the greatest suffering is normally through love. You know, mm -hmm. we're like, we actually, it's not like we're seeking out suffering, but we just, we know what's going to come. I know. Yeah. I mean, for anybody that's listening to this that is married <laughs> or has, is married or has kids when you lay, when you fall in love with people and you give your life and the more people that you graft into that circle and you say, okay, now you're family. And that's normally the word, because when we talk about church, normally we don't connect family and church that, you know, those mm -hmm. aren't the same. 
But when we talk about it as a family, say, okay, now you're family. I'm grafting you in. I'm adopting you whether or not you're, you know, a Vietnam vet that's my age, but now like your family, like we're together, we're brothers, you know, Mm -hmm. and your suffering is my suffering, whatever it is, you know, you link with that person, you know, we know suffering is going to come. Yeah. It's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. That's not why we're getting into it. You know, love is the aim. Yeah. But we just know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I love your your distinction in um, that it that it is different because I think our minds we we go we always go to extremes right so I want to be a better person who evangelizes so you think you have to go and knock on everybody's door to evangelize when it's like no you just why don't you just talk to the person next to you and get yeah. in, and get to know them or we think of suffering as oh I have to go get in a shipping container and that that's what needs to happen to me it was like no like suffering is going to look different it can look from very different degrees from man when you adopt a kid you're even if the kid just you know just is a is a great kid ends up just being the greatest whole time you you're you're going to face a disruption in your yeah. rhythms in your family circles and all that kind of stuff financially is going to be even even more stressful all those things happen and and all these things are are us to say hey and it sounds like like help me if I'm wrong. Like, hey, I am willing to accept whatever the consequences are, because I know this is what Jesus has called me to do—to love whoever this imago day person who looks, who bears the image of God, whatever that is, whatever God is leading me to, to love that person. I'm willing to accept whatever consequences come from that, yeah. Yeah, and I right. know that through the Spirit, I'm going to have the strength and the stamina and the courage to face those things. And sometimes at the end, we get to see a beautiful thing that happens. And sometimes at the end, we don't get to see That's right. anything. And yeah, we're right. just kind of left of, okay, what, what, God, I don't understand what happened there. I'm going to have to ask you that when I, when I get to meet you one day, you know, <laughs> yeah, like in right, right. right. all those things we have to be, I, I'm, I'm just really big on having the understanding that, Hey, your, your story isn't going to, look identical to somebody else's story your relationship with god isn't identical to somebody else's you have to figure out through prayer and and counsel and all these and wisdom all these things what is it what is your tract um to to kind of go through so i just love how you kind of make that that clarification it's it's really good it's really opening for sure so i want to i want to go back to something that, that you mentioned before this is a really good conversation so I don't know if I should move on or not, but um, <laughs> um, go back to um, you said that you became really good friends uh, with the imam. Yeah. And so I, I would assume it's through one of your organizations. Can you talk about, uh, I think it's the multi-faith yep. neighborhood network. That's good. Did That's I get close. that right? Multi-faith neighbors network. Neighbor, neighbors network. Oh, okay. Yeah. So close. You're so close. Can you talk about that? Like how? Yeah those relationships and what does that organization do and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so multi-faith and the, the terminology terminology there was kind of born out of a desire to still be um, orthodox, Christian, convicted, evangelical, but be in deep loving relationships with our neighbors that are created in God's image. You know, and a lot of evangelicals just because there's such a like missional thrust within us, like to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to share our faith, I mean to evangelize evangelical. Mm-hmm. Um, that interfaith circles made people nervous. You know, as soon as you get into an interfaith circle, you feel like you're kind of compromising. And I've been in those circles before where it's kind of lowest common denominator. You're not talking about like the differences that you have, the convictions that are like for us, I mean like Jesus is everything. 
I mean, he's supreme. He's the only way, you know? So, I mean, that's a very strong conviction, you know? Yeah. And it tells like, not just, it's not just my conviction. We believe it's like the true story of the world. Like mm-hmm. God created it. It was broken. We broke it. Jesus fixes it. Mm-hmm. He is the one yeah. <laughs> that yeah. has fixed it and will fix it through his death, mm-hmm. burial and resurrection. So to like, we, I can't sweep that to the side. Right. And, and just talk about like image of God stuff, even though like I want to hold those two together, but I got to bring this conviction in as well. So the multi-faith neighbors network was trying to say, well, why can't we just bring both in and say, mm. I do have things to learn from you. Cause you talked about it earlier. You're created in God's image. You're beautiful. You know, there's still this goodness in you because like your God's imprint is on you, mm-hmm. but there's still something in me, in me, you know, that says every single person needs to repent and believe in Jesus. So what if we started an organization that brought pastors, imams, and rabbis together under that conviction to say, we're not going to like sweep aside our core convictions. Wow. And that's why it's multi-faith. It's not like, Hey, we're all the same faith. It's like, no, these are different faiths coming together. But we're choosing to come together in relationship, deep relationship with one another, commit ourselves to one another, love one another, and focus on the common good. Common good meaning like what's in society that's broken, that whether you're a Jew and you're Jeremy Schneider at Temple Kolami, who's a good friend of mine, yeah. and or you're Imam Dimar at the United Islamic Center of Arizona, we're all looking at this thing and saying, this is not the way it should be. Mm. Yeah. You know, mm. it's not the way it should be. Even though we all come from different backgrounds, like poverty is normally like a very easy one. Like none of our traditions say poverty is good. You know, someone living on the streets is good or homelessness is good. Mm-hmm. All of us look at that and say that's bad. So what if we can link together on those things and then in deep relationship around the dinner table, we can actually talk about the things that matter most to us. Yeah. But it's in the context of relationship and it's in one another's homes. And that was another strong conviction is this whole thing was uh, started out of like you're not just committing to events, you're committing to friendship. Mm. And that starts where like you have to open up your home and like have meals together and not just you, but like your family, like you're going to like, your families are going to come together. Your kids are going to play together and you are going to have meals with one another. You know, there's a uh, theologian, Mark Glanville that would say that Jesus ate his way through the gospels. Like you always, yeah. Like you always see Jesus that. at the dinner table, man. Like yeah. he's having meals all the time. Yeah. You know, he's sitting with people and who's he sitting with tax collectors and sinners. Like he's sitting with the people on the margins. He's bringing them to the table. Like they're first, they're invited first yeah. to the table, you know? So let's I mean, start. Everyone gets hungry. What's that? It's just a common need. Oh, we all, we all love good food I'm hungry right now. <laughs> no, everybody gets hungry, man. So yeah. everybody needs to eat. Let's have good food together. Let's sit down, have a meal, and then we can talk about strategy for the city. We can talk about events that we want to lead together. You know, so Multi-Faith Neighbors Network is like a national network. Mm-hmm. And me, Imam Didmar, Rabbi Jeremy lead locally here in, uh, in Arizona. Okay. And then we just hi- hired Tyler Hudgens, who is now like the director for Arizona uh, Multi-Faith Neighbors Network to help okay. give it some vision moving into the future. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you talk deeper about like... Okay, what are the, some of the things that people, how can we get involved or like yeah. Yeah. all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so Tyler is developing that right now, and he's got some great ways to get connected. What we're trying to do is always put together, like we're focusing on the triads. So like the triad is the main thing to where we're mm-hmm. trying to put together a Muslim, a Christian, and a Jew in relationship cool. to do really like, the, so, it's, so it's really trying to build intimacy and relationship mm-hmm. first. And after that relationship and that friendship is built, having meals, having tea together. Okay, 
and that's kind of the core. And then from that, it's okay. How can we partner together, serve the city together? So we're starting, we're trying to put together youth triads. We're trying to put together women's triads. We're trying to put together more like clergy triads. And he's doing lunches right now, like informational lunches. He's doing like some gatherings, like bringing in like city officials to kind of help give some vision for the city of what they want to see. So it's kind of partnering for the common good is how can we partner with like our cities yeah, you know, to yeah. see like the flourishing of our cities as well. So he's doing an incredible job trying to bring together like city officials to partner with us to say, okay, what does Gilbert look like in like a multi-faith landscape, you know, to mm-hmm. see like the flourishing of Gilbert and how can we partner with the city in this multi-faith work, yeah. you know? So great opportunities, yeah. but really trying sure. to focus on those triads and moving triads forward if we can. So that relationship remains core. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Like, Usually when you think of doing something in the U.S., it's a big event or do something in the church. Like that's how we do churches. Like we have these big events or big um, programs that you can be a part of or Bible studies, all good stuff. But I love this idea of like a more intimate atmosphere of building a relationship with somebody, a total of three people that is consistent and is um, built on this thing of like, we're all here because we want to try this thing out. We want to, we want to make it work. We want to learn from each other and starting from that place and then being in those, those places where you can just get to know someone well. Yeah. Now yeah. let me, let me, I'll give you one example, but I'm just thinking yes. that you talked about what did I, what have I learned? And this is another one that I, once again, I, I feel things deeply. So if I say I cried during this, that's not always shocking for me, but I was at, <laughs> so don't be like, man, this guy cried. Yeah, I cried quite a bit, but I feel things deeply. Um, so I was Rabbi Jeremy Schneider, since he's become a good friend over the last few years as well. He invited me to his son's bar mitzvah, you know, where it's actually, it's like, you're not going to a bar mitzvah. It's like, he's becoming a bar mitzvah, which I didn't hmm. know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So it's yeah. like his son was becoming a bar mitzvah. It's kind of like when people say they're going to church and as pastors, sometimes we're like, well, actually you are you the are church. Ch- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not really going to church. You're going yeah, to church. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. like that. So he's becoming a bar mitzvah. So I go to this bar mitzvah. I'm sitting with, and this was like small gathering, you know, bar mitzvah is a huge thing. It's kind of like a coming of age moment, mm-hmm. but he's 13 years old. You know, and in the Jewish community, he is becoming a man. And part of that is now through, like, you have to be schooled in Hebrew. You know the Hebrew, and you're going to stand up and lead this entire service for an hour and a half. And you're going to lead the entire congregation through every step of the service, singing in Hebrew, reciting, you know, from from the Old Testament, reciting from the Torah, you know, doing all the rituals, everything that they have. 13 years old doing it and what brought me to tears is he has a significant speech impediment his son Mm -hmm. which he brings to light at the very beginning you know Mm -hmm. about like how hard it is for him sometimes to be in these environments you know but and then he what does he go to what scripture is moses Mm -hmm. and talks about how god can use him you know even though like i would love it if you take it to the gospel but like he's starting moses talking through this how God can use him even in light of his speech impediment and how God can use his weakness and be made strong. And at 13 years old, he's up there like, and I'm thinking about adults I know that wouldn't, I mean, they're they're scared to death and speak in front of, and they speak, like there's no speech impediment, they'd just be scared to death to even give like a testimony (laughs) on stage, not lead the whole congregation, you know, through this. Yeah. So I'm looking at this kid brought to tears, thinking about the courage that it takes in this rite of passage within the Jewish community. And a few things immediately came to mind. One, that Jeremy, because of our friendship and the intimacy, would invite me into this intimate moment with like his 
kid and his yeah, family, son, which yeah. was like a huge privilege mm -hmm. for me. And then the learning aspect is, man, we need to expect more of our young adults. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, this kid is 13 yeah. years old. Oh, he's man. the yeah. whole congregation. He's speaking Hebrew. He's singing in Hebrew. You know, yeah. he's got, I mean, he would say, he said at the very beginning, he introduced with like, I have a really bad speech impediment, you know, but he, he's like, God's going to use me. I can do this. And just like the courage to get through it. And it wasn't like an option, like, oh, you have a speech impediment. You're not going to do this. It's like, no, this is like becoming a man in this mm. community. This is what you have to do. This is like a rite of passage for yeah. you. And I was like, so whoa, good. man, it was, just, it was powerful. And, the, and so I left thinking like, what are the rites of passages for like our young adults that we right, need to like right. call them That's to, what I'm thinking too. you know, and just say like, like these, <laughs> these moments where it's like, no, like we expect of them. We call them to like lead the whole, like he led the whole congregation. Now, hey, now you're going to stand and we're going to sing from this on, like singing from the Hebrew and like the, it was just, it was powerful, man. That's so really cool. cool. Yeah. Hmm. And just brought, brought to you by, um, deep relationship. Yes. And yeah. how, how important that is. And I think. Man, I think when I think about this idea of loving beyond um, the lines that we have, a lot of the times the lines that we have are broken by deep relationship. The preconceived notion that you have about a group of people. Yeah. Um, you know, for one of the first things that we did, you were not this one when we met with a, a mosque and they came to our Glendale campus. Uh, their their congregates came to Glendale campus. And um, a lot of the questions that they were asking us was like, man, how come, how come Americans like fear us? Or how come they're, they, they, they don't like us? And um, a lot of it is because none of us know you. And so we get fed all these lies through right. whatever it is. And then we attach that to when we see someone that's wearing a hijab or, or, or something like that. And, and it's like, man, getting to know those people is like, wow, like they're, they're really sweet people. And how cool it is that I get to be in a relationship with people who are completely different from me. And now I get to have a different perspective on life um, because I get to be in deep relationship with the people who are different than me. It, it, it makes, I think we talked about this in one of our first episodes, is that um, when we are able to do that, when we are uh, able to love beyond our lines, it makes life so much more adventurous. Oh, yeah. there, there's a lot of suffering that comes in that. And, and I, I completely agree with you. But there's also a ton of adventure and a ton That's of a cool word, adventure. That's yeah, like just kind of cool things where we, we get so afraid to protect ourselves. But when you're just living safe, you get to have no adventure. Yeah. You get to have no ups and downs and no swings of, of failures and triumphs. Yeah. You, you get to have none of that. You just have to live in this sense of just being. And it's, it's like, like that's not it's like God Bilbo Baggins to. from the, the Hobbit. <laughs> Yeah. For those nerds out there who are listening, there it's exactly go. like that. He, <laughs> <laughs> he was afraid of going on the quest, but then he yeah. did it. And then yeah. he loved him. Um, no, that's no. right. It's like fullness of life to me. That's what I come into mind as you're talking mm -hmm. about it. I'm like, you know, you can lead. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not taking people's Christianity away, but it's yeah. like there's life there, but it's just like a, it's kind of numbing. Comfort sometimes, comfort and safety overly done can, I feel like, can just kind of numb, hmm. you know? Where, yeah, you're right. Like, it's an adventure, and there's going to be extreme joys on that adventure. There's going to be extreme lows <laughs> yeah. on that adventure. Yeah. But that's, like, fullness of life. Yeah. You know, yeah. you feel deeply in ways high and low that you've never felt before. Mm -hmm. You know, just like Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. There, I'll take it back. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Read the book. It's great. Um, <laughs> is there any way for people who are listening right now, what is the best way for them to 
to start on the adventure. Maybe they've never taken it. Maybe they've taken a few small steps. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any ways they can partner with you or is it a wait thing right now, but soon there will be, what is some, your best advice for how do we get, how do they step in? Yeah, no, if you're, if it's partnering with any of the ministries that I mentioned, that's, that's easy. I mean, reaching out to me and I can connect you to the right person is easy, whether it's the Daniel initiative, which is like international leaders that I was talking about, or it's multi-faith neighbors network and there's easy connections there. But to me, whenever I give this, I never want to be prescriptive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meaning like, uh, I give an illustration. Sometimes I feel like I've given illustrations and it can dominate to where like people feel like that's the call. You know what I mean? That illustration is like, that's the call. It's really good. Where I want to leave people like, what is God telling you? Yes. Like, what is God saying to you? Yeah. Yes. So, and that comes through deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. So good. You know? So like, what is Jesus actually leading you to do? Because, uh, my sense is it's not what he's leading me to do. You know, Mm. you might have a neighbor next door to you that he's leading you to. That's a, a woman that's a shut in, that's a widow, you know, whose yard is an absolute mess. I'm actually thinking of a woman that just passed on my street, like 10 houses down, you know? Um, So who knows like where God is actually leading you, but that only comes through intimacy, intimacy with Jesus and listening to the voice of the spirit. Like what is the spirit leading you to do? But through like, this is a prayer, man, if I know one thing, this is a prayer Jesus wants to answer. I mean, mm. I don't know. I'm a Chosen fan. I don't know if you guys have ever watched The Chosen. Mm. But as I watch The Chosen, the series, The Chosen, and I'm just reading through the Gospels, you're just reading through the Gospels, you see Jesus' heart for those that are picked last in society, the lost of society, and the least of these in society. You see it's just like his heartbeat. Yeah. You know, to see those people go after those people. But it's a myriad of different people. You know, Mm -hmm. whether it's a widow, whether it's a little girl, whether it's a woman with the flow of blood, whether it's the guy at the beautiful gate when we look at Peter and John when they meet him. I mean, it's just like, but there's these people on the margins that are overlooked and not seen. And Jesus wants them to be seen. Yeah. Mm. And where his his eyes now, like his physical representation, like flows through us, his church, and he wants to lead us into those places. So how do people come back to it? How do people get connected? Pray and seek the Lord and see what God says to you. Yes. You know, and then with that, I wouldn't say you would just jump right into it. That's where like friendship, community, and pastoral counsel Mm. can help guide in those things. Yeah. But if you feel like something's stirring in you, you know, through prayer and intimacy with Jesus, you know, bring that to your pastor and say, I feel like God is stirring this in me. What do you think? Get counsel, you know, see what he said. I mean, bring that to your friends, bring that to your spouse, whatever it is, you know, and see where God might be leading you. Cool. I love it. Thank you. And I always like it when like we, we often lean towards prescriptive when often it's about, there's a a diversity of ways that God might be calling us. And so that looks different for every person. So thank you for saying that. Um, If people do want to get to connect it with uh, some of your ministries, do you want me just to leave your email in the show notes or not a good idea? (laughs) Oh no, no, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Prather at redemptionaz.com okay, and I can connect to any of those ministries that are mentioned or yeah, I'd have, and please leave it. That's great. Cool. Okay. We'll do that. Awesome. Well, I think that's all our time we have for today. Thank you so much for being yeah, here with thanks, us man. and, thanks for having me. and being that. incredible. And I mean, we've learned so much from you. So we, Hey, we, who knows? We might have you on again. So right. I think you yeah, have a lot more to share and yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But, but you know, thank you by the way, viewer, uh, listener for being here too. And, and listening to this, we're so happy to have you. And, um, as always give us a review on iTunes or whatever you find your podcast. I don't know 
how many places you can review it, but review it everywhere. Um, and also comment <laughs> on the YouTube video and like and subscribe and all those cool things. That's enough of that. Um, <laughs> we record here at Central Christian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Our community here is pursuing the mantra of love beyond, which calls us to imp- empathize with people who are different than us and build bridges of peace. If you are interested at all in learning more about our church, check us out at centralaz.com. We have online services as well as a bunch of wonderful locations in the Phoenix metro area if you're local. Um, We will see you at next episode of Beyond the Lines. Until then, love beyond your lines. Thank you, everybody. See you guys. Thank you all.